Yeah, we're looking forward to that one as uh, we get you set for uh, all the action coming up this weekend. It'll be the Toronto Maple Leafs in town on Saturday and uh, some big guests coming up here along the way. We do want to let everyone know that if you are coming out here tonight to uh, Bella Luna in Monroeville, we are giving you $2.75 Bud Light 20-ounce drafts. We already have a couple of cold beverages here with us enjoying that on top of the conversation. And also, if you come here tonight to Bella Luna, we'll give away a pair of tickets to the Penguins-Colorado Avalanche game on December 11th, that's Monday night. But as Borky always says, the catch for that is you have to be here to win those tickets. Yes, that is the catch. We have a we have a line change of headsets going on right off yes. the bat. Yes, and this is this is the great thing about live radio is you never know when you might get a little snafu. And you kind of have to juggle the Bud Light and the headset at the same time. Yeah, that's the only little caveat. We're giving away tickets. We are. To tickets. Monday night, the, the last game of this five-game homestand. I, ne- I, never, I never know how to predict how the budget's going to work in this show. Sometimes it's a T-shirt. Right. Sometimes it's tickets down low against the Cal- Colorado Avalanche. So, yeah. The, But, yeah, that's the only thing is you have to be here in Monroeville. To win the show, win the tickets to Bella Luna in Monroeville. You just got to be here, and uh, Alex uh, will be gracious enough to take your name, and uh, we'll give away those tickets. So come on down. We're going to be here for the next hour talking Penguins. We have some big guests coming up: uh, Penguins defenseman and the overtime oh, hero oh, 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 oh. and former Maple Leaf. Yeah, Matt Hunwick's going to join us uh, at around yeah. 7:15, and then Craig Lachlan of Sirius XM Radio, one of our uh, our favorite personalities there on Sirius, or Scott Lachlan, excuse me, Craig Lachlan with the Washington Capitals. (laughs) Scott Lachlan uh, is going to join us as well to uh, discuss everything going around the National Hockey League. We're also going to get a little bit of perspective on him and his career as well, so we're looking forward to that. I know a lot of people listen to Sirius XM. I know it's it's, uh, in my truck all the time. And what I love about Scott Lachlan, he's one of the best at interviewing he also has one of those memories, Josh. You know, in this business, if you can recall names, dates, times, oh, yeah. scores <laughs> at the drop of a hat, it's going to serve you very well if you're going to be in the broadcasting career. Scott Lachlan, one of the best. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the Penguins before we dive into everything else. They have passed game 30. That's crazy to say already that we have 30 games up, 30 games down uh, on this Penguin season. Sit at 16, 11, and 3, 35 points. Uh, in the midst of this five-game homestand, which is a season long, they're two and one on that. Uh, they've won five of their last six games. Mike Sullivan saying yesterday before the win against the Islanders that he feels like there's a lot of the Penguins game that is trending upwards. There are still very much an unfinished product. I think they would admit that themselves. But the fact is the hardest part of the schedule, it's hard to say this when you're looking at how it breaks down with a couple months or a few months still of the season remaining, the hardest part of the schedule may be out of the way for the Penguins with how things began. No, and I tell you, we can all kind of take a breath and exhale. Not too much, obviously, but, yeah, to get all those road games and those back-to-backs, get them behind you, have them in the rearview mirror, and not be really chasing the standings right now. You're right. right in the thick of it. There's six teams in the Metro separated from, what, four points, five points, whatever it is. So you're right there in the mix, and that's the way it's going to be. And, and that's the way this division was last year, too. Uh, in the metro so it's no big deal for the penguins they're comfortable being in the mix it could be a blessing in disguise uh you know nobody wants to come out of the gate white hot you know how that works josh but usually there's a setback somewhere in the schedule is going to get you and bite you on the backside but to have all these road games in the rearview mirror is is a big big plus on top of that 
the Penguins have had some adversity, whether it's some blowout games and having to bounce back, sure. injuries having to bounce back, and players that maybe we didn't expect to get as much ice time right now, i.e. Tristan Jari, uh-huh. uh, all of a sudden you've got a better read on the Tristan Jari in your depth as a in a goaltending position than maybe you would uh, you would not have if Matt Murray was healthy. Yeah, speaking of Matt Murray, speaking of Tristan Jari, let's rehash the injury front for the Penguins sure. right now because it is a, a topic of discussion. Obviously, Murray's still week-to-week with that lower body injury. Jari has stepped in and stepped up admirably, I think it's fair to say. 5-1-2 and two, uh, for the Penguins. Got the win last night against the New York Islanders. Justin Schultz, week-to-week with that lower body injury. Mike Sullivan was hesitant to put a time frame on Schultz returning little concerning as far as how important he is to the blue line but as we'll hear from matt hunwick later on in the show he stepped up last night season high seven shots against the islanders the overtime winner and tom kunakel who was injured by friendly fire last night ran into ryan reeves quite literally uh in the neutral zone he left that game did not practice for the penguins today mike sullivan said it's an upper body injury was not sure the time frame but penguins have made a roster move in recalling dominic simone from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So you figure a winger coming up with Kunakel potentially banged up, that might mean Kunakel's not playing tomorrow night. Yeah, one more little tweak there. Greg McKeg has gone his way. He's probably in his car now, listening, on his way <laughs> to Wilkes-Barre. Uh, so uh, Simone coming up. Uh, you know, Simone's an interesting player because he's a highly skilled player. The Penguins really like him. His game is not yet translated from the American League where he's a really good player yeah. down there to the NHL level. He's had some sniffs before at the NHL level, but what I like about Simone is he's a scrappy guy, number one, not being that big. Right. He's pretty brave, kind of like a Jake Gensel, light, if you will, uh, but also he can play both wing and center. So with Kuhnhockel, obviously, he's going to be out of the lineup. Uh, and Josh Archibald seems like his um, conditioning stint it's going to get extended. Yeah. Now, there, there is sand through the hourglass when it comes to Josh Archibald because there's only a certain time that you can leave a guy on a one-way contract down there in Wilkes-Barre. I'm not sure of what that is. I probably should know or I should find out. But in the meantime, Dominic Simone is on his way up. I can tell you this. Mike Sullivan was asked about that today after practice, and he did say that it's kind of a two-week, he thought, deal as far as conditioning stints were concerned before some action has to be taken. Right. So that would mean, to me at least that Dominic Simone's probably going to be in the Penguins lineup tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs with Archibald still being on that conditioning stint. So we wouldn't have an extra forward, Right, correct? that's what I mean, yeah. yeah. If he's still down in Wilkes-Barre. And McKay's going down. Right. And if Archibald's going to stay down there and Kunako can't go, well, one plus one equals two. Guess what, Dominic Simone? You are in tomorrow night against the Leafs. Uh, 16 points for Simone in 20 games with Wilkes-Barre Scranton this year. How about the big point getters for the Penguins? Because uh, I wanted to talk about them, kind of rehash where they're at. Phil Kessel, what a shot last night against uh, Yarrow Halak. Uh, honestly, the first shot on goal he had of the game, too, for Halak. To not have seen a shot for the first couple minutes of the game and then have a Phil Kessel snapper from between the circles come at him through a screen. He made the save on that one. He did not stop the offering on the power play in the third period. Uh, but Phil Kessel leading the Penguins, 14 goals, 21 assists this year. What impresses me about Phil is that he only has four goals on the power play. Now, he does have, I believe, 18 power play points. But the goal scoring for him is coming more at five-on-five, more out of that power play situation, which I think is going to make Mike Sullivan and this staff very happy. And more of him pulling the trigger and beating goaltenders clean, which it doesn't matter how many times you watch it, Josh. I'm sure you have the same reaction that I have up in the press box of, whoa, yeah. that was absolutely nasty 
And when he has a little bit of space and he has that shooter's mentality, there only has to be a four-inch space over the goaltender's blocker. You know, he likes to go on the top part of the net sure. uh, with that wicked wrister that he has. And whether it's coming off the half wall or coming down the right wing, I don't even know if you can count on one hand the amount of players in this league that can beat a goaltender clean from outside 25 feet. The dot is exactly 25 feet to the net. So outside of that, if you can beat a goaltender clean, as big, athletic, and positionally sound as NHL goaltenders are, you are the 1% of the 1%, and that's what Phil Kessel is. And also I think that that all the stars are starting to chip in now on a more consistent basis. And uh, I think why you said the Penguins have won five of the last six games right. is the top guys have not dropped off, and all of a sudden the third and fourth line guys are starting to pick up their game a little bit and chip chip in now and again, whether it's a Carl Hagler, uh-huh. whether it's the birthday boy Riley Shahan last night, right, Josh? Sure. That now you're starting to put the put the, all the pieces of the puzzle, snap them into place going, okay, this is the Penguin team that I love so much in the playoffs the last two years. Yeah, Riley Shahan's goal last night was a, a heck of a shot from him after a turnover that was created really by the pressure of Carl Hagelin with Yarrow Halak uh, turning it over to Riley Shan. Now, Hagelin and Shan aren't necessarily involved in the power play, but they are doing a little bit on the penalty kill. And that Penguins penalty kill has been kind of an underlying theme, I think, of these wins that have come together here on twofold. A lot of people talk about the, the Penguins are taking less penalties. I don't think they are. I mean, they're, they're four penalties a game. Yep. That, that, they've hovered around that all season. The difference is now they're killing off all four of those power plays that they face, including last night. They've gone four straight games, perfect on the penalty kill, and in their last seven games, just two power play goals allowed. And, again, we need to emphasize that that's not in the sense of taking two penalties a game. They're still taking four, five, six penalties a night, and they only have two penalty, power play goals allowed in the last seven. So let me ask you this. Conspiracy theory here. <laughs> Is there any chance that maybe subconsciously Ryan Reeves has seen how good the PK is going and thinking, man, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to get out there. Maybe if I bump into Kuhnhockel and just get him out. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Just hear me out. I'm listening. And, and, and I get Kuhnhockel just for a game or two. I don't want to hurt him too bad. Just kind of graze him a bit. Game or two. And the coach is going to say, Wow, this penalty killing! I gotta keep it humming along. I need, I gotta put some of the in there. Revo, I, I let him kill some penalties in preseason. Maybe I get him in there. Yep. Maybe we see Revo. No, I. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? But the. But I the think PK, we might see him. To answer might, your question, it's it's not that far reaching. Right. If Kuhnhockel can't go, which it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go tomorrow night against Toronto, that Ryan Reeves gets in there and maybe kills some penalties. Maybe 20 seconds here, 30 seconds there. Right. Give him a sniff. Why not? This is the time to see if this guy can kill penalties. Because I just think, Josh, over the last five or six games, Ryan Reeves has been really moving his feet. He's created offense. He's been physical. He's been disciplined. He hasn't taken any dumb penalties. He's fought when he's needed to mm-hmm. fight. And I think he's a guy that's begging his coach, give me some more minutes, man. Get me in there. That fourth line in general, I think, has really been good. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if Mike Sullivan changes up anything drastically because you and I talked about this in the postgame show last night that really Kunakel, when Rowney's been healthy, and Reeves have been that fourth line for the Penguins. And it's been pretty consistent since game one. Now Kunakel potentially out. Where does Simone slot in? How does Mike Sullivan move things around? We trust him with whatever he does because he seems to touch gold every time he does it. But it'll be interesting to see if he changes anything up drastically tomorrow. No, and that's one thing I think Penguin fans are now starting to embrace. I know we have as broadcasters is the the sixth sense of Mike Sullivan to know when his players are going, 
know when they're not going. Right. And he did it last night, right? Yeah. With uh, with Brian Rust and Patrick Hornquist. A little flip-flop there. Mm-hmm. He didn't like, not that these players were playing bad, but he wasn't getting the result offensively. So let me kind of tweak things here. I know the Geno and the, uh, the Geno, Kessel, and Gensel line, I'm going to leave that alone. My fourth line, they are who they are. So who can I flip-flop here? Between my first line, the Sid line, my third line, the Shahan line. Let me flip-flop Rust and Hornquist and see if I can get a little magic in the bottle here. And he did. And so I, I just think that that a coach like my that sounds like a simple thing to a lot of listeners, but it's not. No. There's a lot of coaches that won't do it. They feel like, oh, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to give them more time. And that's to me, that's a coach that doesn't know their players as well as a guy like Mike Sullivan. He does, and he's had that number, uh, the finger on the pulse, I should say, really since he's taken over uh, for the Penguins. Now, as far as another change he made last night, we talk about sometimes him giving guys a crack in overtime. When you're down to five defensemen, you obviously have to make moves within the game and try to figure things out. Matt Hunwick played in overtime last night. Not saying he wouldn't play in overtime because Mike Sullivan's going to roll yeah. them all over. But I mentioned earlier, it's seven shots on goal. Yeah in that game uh and of course scored the game winner probably the weakest of the seven shots he had but that one went in the back of the net first career overtime goal for him looking forward to talking to him next but a pretty strong effort for him in the absence of justin schultz last night i think it's safe to say and i was kind of i was kind of thinking about this this afternoon driving around town kind of doing some errands that i i really appreciated the way i think chris letang picked this game up a little bit yeah i'm gonna say 10 percent bump on tanger i say Oli mathis taking this game up a notch offensively and obviously Matt Hunwick took his game up big time with Justin Schultz being out and that kind of tells you that a coach doesn't usually have to come and tell veteran players like a Matt Hunwick hey Justin Schultz is out I need you to maybe step it up a notch or maybe inject yourself in the offense you don't tell a guy like that he just gets it he yeah. knows it he's 32 years of age he's been around long enough he's played for a few teams he's been through the good the bad the ugly and uh he's figured out hey Schultz he's out I, I can skate, I can wheel, I can chip in when need be. And um, it's good to see him not only get the opportunity, but make the most of it. And uh, the Penguins have a bunch of guys like that that don't have to be coached up, that they're, they're low maintenance or no maintenance, and they just kind of get it. When the time is to, uh, uh, the bigger the game, the better they play, and uh, when the opportunity strikes, they are there. What a transition that is, because when we return here on Along the Boards, we're going to be joined by the overtime hero of last night's win against the New York Islanders. That would be Penguins defenseman Matt Hunwick. So stay with us. It's all coming up next after the break here on Along the Boards on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, and now on 106.3 FM. Yeah, welcome back to Along the Boards on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, and now on 106.3 FM. I am Phil Bork here with Josh Epsoff. And we are live coming from Bella Luna in Monroeville where we have Bud Lights on special. Also, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to the Penguins Avalanche game on Monday, December the 11th. Without further ado, let's bring in our special guest. He was the overtime winner. Uh, he had the overtime winner last night for the Penguins uh, against the New York Islanders. He's number 22 in your program, but tonight he's number one in your heart. <laughs> Defenseman Matt Hunwick. Hey, honey, how are you? Hey, honey. Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on, man. Spending some time. I know your off days uh, are few and far between, and uh, but we do uh, really do uh, appreciate you taking the time. Hey, before we start getting into uh, your time as a Pittsburgh Penguin here, the game last night, and and what's coming up for you guys tomorrow against Toronto, I want to go back a little bit 
and talk about you growing up in Michigan and deciding to go to the University of Michigan. You know, you know, we've talked to Ian Cole before, who grew up in Michigan, Ann Arbor, but he ends up going to uh, play for Notre Dame. Was it a foregone conclusion that you were going to play for Michigan, or did you ever for a split second think, I could possibly play somewhere else? Uh, well, during the recruiting process, we took a look at uh, Notre Dame, for example, Michigan State, Michigan, um, probably when I was 14 or 15, just because those were the closest to home. And, uh, you know, you get the envelopes in the mail from all the other colleges. And, um, you know, Michigan really stood out, though, once I went there and kind of saw what they were doing, kind of the program they had built and the style of play that they were, you know, had on the ice. I think that was probably the biggest thing between the academics and, and the style of play that really I thought would fit my game and fit my personality. I don't think a lot of people know that uh, you had a brother, Sean, who also went to University of Michigan, was a goaltender, was not that big in stature. Uh, can you talk a little bit about his size and playing Division I uh, college hockey and maybe give us some <clears throat> background of your relationship with having a brother that was a goaltender and how that must have been great, how you could just blast the <laughs> shots away at him, I guess, at yeah. any given time? And then maybe what's, what's your brother Sean doing now? Yeah, so my brother's two years younger than me. He, uh, like you said, he's a goalie. So he was great growing up in terms of backyard hockey. He'd always play goal. Even I'd skate with him and, um, you know, stories of my dad saying and shooting too high at him and all these other things that, you know, happen when you have a goaltender that my brother, who's five, six, five, seven now, um, at 30 years old. So, uh, he was a smaller guy. He was not recruited necessarily to the University of Michigan. I played my four years, and he was just finishing finishing juniors and scheduled to go to uh, Adrian College, which just uh, started their Division three program. And Michigan had lost a third-string goalie, and they asked him to to come on and, and be the third-string guy. And um, he did that for uh, two or th- I think two years, and then he ascended to the number one spot. And actually, um, you know, I think his uh, senior year took him to the NCAA finals. Carl Hagen was the captain of that team, and they lost to uh, Duluth, and he came back and played his fifth year as well. So, um, you know, I missed him in school. I played my four years. He came in right after and did five years. And, um, you know, during my tenure, everyone was, hey, that's Matt Hummock's brother. And then by the time he had left school, he had done so well. Uh, when I came back, that was Sean Hummock's brother. So Red Berenson had nine straight years of a Hunwick? He did. He did. And, uh, you know, we're very different people, and, and uh, I'm sure he would tell you that. But, um, you know, my brother did, you know, phenomenal for kind of where he came from and how hard he worked to get himself into the position that he, you know, ultimately was in the last two seasons there at Michigan. And, um, you know, fortuitously, he finished his, uh, his degree out, and Columbus had a. I don't know. They must have had three or four goalies go out that season with injuries, and they needed an emergency backup with three weeks left in the year. And Sean had to drive down to Columbus, and he was an emergency backup for a game, and then ended up staying with them for three weeks and backing up. So he had the taste of the NHL for a few weeks and got into a game, uh, the last game of the season, for a couple minutes. So he's uh, he's kind of seen it all at this point, and now he's uh, an agent. He's an agent. Oh, that's great. He is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Matt, uh, Matt, let's uh, let's get to the uh, the obvious thing going into tomorrow night. We all know the connection with you and the Toronto Maple Leafs the last two years uh, with the Leafs. We're giving you, as I told you earlier today, the, the preview to the 6,000 questions you're going to get in the Penguins dressing room uh, tomorrow morning. But how much are you looking forward to facing these guys again, G- going through that ride last year to getting back to the playoffs, having that excitement in the first-round series against Washington, really taking them to the limit, uh, and knowing what this team is all about, now getting to see them from the other side? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting to see a lot of the guys that uh, that they'll have there tomorrow. I think the team, for the most part, is is pretty similar, aside from Marlowe and maybe one defenseman. I think they brought back pretty much the same roster. And, um, you know, it's always fun to see friends and familiar faces. And um, at the same time, though, I think the team has obviously taken a big leap forward from, you know, where we were when we started last season to where we finished come playoff time and then, you know, I think they've even obviously gotten better to start this year. So um, it'll be a big challenge for us, but um, still looking forward to seeing a lot of the guys. What's your thoughts on Austin Matthews? Obviously, you got to play with him for for last season, uh, practice against him all the time. Uh, what's the one thing that really blew you away, Matt, uh, on the, the talents of uh, Austin Matthews? Well, his talents there, his size is there, too, for a kid that was – 18 or 19 coming in he was he was a man for sure Uh, (laughs) starting out yeah and just his ability to finish he can it seems like he can score from almost anywhere if he gets the the puck on his stick with you know half a second it seems like he has the ability to finish finish plays off and he's just really good around the net and you know with his size and being able to protect the puck he can do a lot of special things You've played for Mike Babcock the last two years uh, in um, Toronto. Obviously, Babcock has talked highly of you since you left there. Mike Sullivan's also talked highly of you. These are two coaches that have won a Stanley Cup. They've had a lot of success. Sullivan, obviously, a little less tenured overall in the NHL. But are there similarities between these two, or are they two totally different guys as far as how they approach and coach their teams? I think they're definitely different, but at the same time, I think there's that ultimate drive to succeed and you know, their styles might be different in terms of systems and how they handle players, but, you know, the end goal is always the same. It's what's going to make our team the best and how can we, how can they do it? And I think that's what you want in a coach. And it's not always, you know, most friendly, but you're trying to find what works for your group of guys and how to get the most out of them. And I think they both have that. You know, with Justin Schultz going out, obviously you have Chris Letang, right-hand shot, Chad Ruedel, right-hand shot. But you've had the versatility of playing the left and the right. And I know, Matt, as being a former player, if I was ever asked this question, I'd be like, yeah, no problem. I played there all the time. But do you really feel, do you really feel as a left-hand shot, do you really feel comfortable playing the right side? Because it looks, it looks seamless for you. Well, to be honest, the last two games I've felt really good. Ole and I have been playing together now for maybe three games. Um, and I've been playing the right side. And I think each game I've been feeling better and better, especially the last two. Um, just the breakup, the communication has been really good, which makes things a lot easier. And uh, also it's just getting reps. I mean, you can play sports here and there. You play the, the right side. It's not too bad. But, you know, you're going out every shift. You have to kind of get used to it again. And thankfully I've had a chance to do it a little bit in the preseason, a little bit before I was injured. And now, um, you know, I don't know if that will be the case going forward, but it seems that way. And, you know, I feel real good at this point. Matt, you mentioned feeling pretty good about your game. I just wanted to ask you maybe in the sense of 
how far you've come as a player. Looking back on your career before we got on the air tonight, uh, saw that the 2013-14 season you spent with Lake Erie in the American Hockey League, and that was after really spending most part of five years prior into the, in the National Hockey League. That kind of experience, what did that do for you as far as, I don't know, maybe in just a, a sense of motivating you, but also maybe also making you realize how big the opportunity is in the NHL moving forward from that? Yeah, I never took the NHL for granted, that's for sure. Um, but it still can be an eye-opening experience to go down there and to know you're probably not coming back up uh, the rest of that season. I have one year left in my deal with Colorado, and they had just gotten a new coach. And um, Obviously, he didn't see my game in the same way as maybe other coaches did. And so I spent the year in Lake Erie and just tried to tried to work on my game. I obviously played a different role being down there, had more power play time, chance to work on different things get your confidence up, and then, um, you know, thankfully New York took a chance on me and was able to make the Rangers uh, the following season and have been up ever since. But, um, you know, you have to have a certain mental toughness to go through certain things, and uh, especially as someone that you, you feel like you're an established player in the league and you get sent down and you spend most of the season in the American Hockey League. It can, it can be tough, but at the same time, I think it's kind of made me who I am today, and, a lot better person for having gone through it. Honey, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you taking a couple minutes and uh, and filling us in on some blanks. And uh, have a great game tomorrow night against the Leafs. Thanks, All right, Matt. thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good night. All right, then. you too. That's Matt Henwood, Penguins defenseman. Yeah, that was great to hear from him. Some good perspective there. I was going to ask him, but I decided not to at the end. He's from Warren, Michigan. Eminem went to high school in Warren, Michigan. We know uh-huh. Brian Doolin controls the locker room there for Penguins music, but you wonder if maybe there's a little hometown bias there uh, for Matt Hunwick. I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I think he's got a three-year deal. I don't think the first year, That's Josh. true. You I don't come in gotta, and pump Eminem. I, no, I think next year when he feels a little more comfortable, then he might be sliding something in the suggestion box. That's fair to say. That's fair to say. Well, that was great to talk with him. Uh, first of our two guests here tonight on Along the Boards. When we return, our next guest is coming up. It's going to be Scott Lachlan of Sirius XM NHL fame. He co-hosts the Afternoon Drive show there on Sirius the XM. Power Play. Yeah, the Power Play. We're looking forward to chatting with him. We do want to remind everyone out there, though, if you haven't made it down here yet, we're still on the air for another half hour. So feel free to come down. $2.75 Bud Light 20-ounce drafts here at Bella Luna in Monroeville. And also, plenty of people. Coming to Alex, our producer here in the uh, on There's site. There's a line right now. Yeah. It's a short line, so you can fit in very quickly. Because they all want tickets, a pair of tickets, to the Penguins and Colorado Avalanche this coming Monday night, the end of this five-game homestand, uh, December 11th. And you can win tickets if you come here and register with Alex. So we invite you to do that, and we invite you to come back with us on the other side of the break. Scott Lachlan of Sirius XM NHL Radio will chat with us next on Along the Boards. It's ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, and now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back into Along the Boards here on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, and now on 106.3 FM. We're coming to you from Bella Luna in Monroeville, packed house here on a Friday night for some good hockey talk alongside the old 2-9er Phil Bork. I am Josh Getzoff, and it's now time to bring in our next guest, who is the host of the Power Play every weekday afternoon on Sirius XM NHL Radio. He is Scott Lachlan. Scott, thanks for coming on with us. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks. Hey, Scotty, it's Borky. I'm just wondering, have have you been on this side of it? Have you done? I mean, your interview skills are as good as anybody I've ever heard. How many times have you had the script flipped where you've been the person interviewed? 
Uh, Phil, that's a great question. Uh, I go on periodically. I get asked every once in a while, every couple of weeks, maybe once a month, uh, twice a month, whatever the case may be. And, and I'll be on, you know, TSN Radio in Winnipeg. Uh, I'll be on down there with the Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network and places like that. So whenever I get an opportunity to kind of branch out and spread my wings a little bit, I think it's great. And, look, Phil, I mean, the, the bottom line is, I mean, talking hockey is, is fantastic. Whether or not I'm the guy that's asking the questions or whether or not I'm the guy that's trying to figure out the answers, uh, I think it's fantastic stuff just to be talking hockey anywhere, really. Well, I'll speak for Josh here, and we appreciate your time because you just finished doing that power play from 3 to 6, and now you're coming on with us, so thank you. But before we get into some hockey talk, you know, I always like to do a little background because the one thing I learned from you is you do your homework, man. You do the digging. You go a couple layers deep, and I look back on you growing up, and am I correct in saying you grew up in the Toronto area, you were a big Maple Leafs fan, your dad worked for CCM, so take us back to the childhood of Scott Lachlan (laughs) and how much hockey you played and how much you loved your beloved Leafs. Well, I tell you what, Phil, I mean, it's, it's great to bring that up. I mean, I, I first got on skates when I was about four years old. Uh, I think a few guys beat me to it along the way up here especially. Uh, but I got on skates when I was four, started playing some organized hockey when I was five, and started playing a little bit more competitively as far as minor hockey goes at least along the way. Uh, I played hockey all the way up through midget till I was about 16 or so and then kind of goofed around a little bit playing house league with some guys that I previously played competitively with. Uh, I went off to school at Carleton University in Ottawa and took journalism. And I actually played on the university hockey team uh, for a couple of months. I was with the team for a couple of months to start the season. And I was cut by a former National Hockey Leaguer who at the time was my head coach. I don't know if many fans out there remember Ted Bully who played for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, back in the Bully in Baltimore. You did, did you? Yeah, Ted was my yes. university coach, at least for a couple of months until he cut me. Uh, <laughs> my, my whole claim to fame, though, I mean, during that league, we played in a, in a men's league, actually, before we actually got university certified, and we were playing in a league with a couple of former NHLers. My claim to fame was getting hit one time by, by John Barrett. I don't know if you remember him, Phil, and if you've come across him over the years. Uh, he was the bigger brother of Fred Barrett, who was a defenseman with the Minnesota North Stars for so many years, and you know, Fred was like 5'9", maybe 5'10", on a good day. His big brother, John, was about 6'3", and 225, too. So he hit me one time, and that was probably as far as I went. But maybe Ted <laughs> Bully, in, in, in turn, did me a bit of a favor in terms of getting me out of that before I got killed. But uh, in all reality, look, I grew up in Toronto. I grew up a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And then I started working in this business back in 1992, and I've been in it, thankfully, ever since. A lot of people always talk about, and this is the way it works for young broadcasters sometimes, sometimes you've got to go to the smaller markets, sometimes you've got to go to the mid-markets and work your way back up the ladder to come back to a big city. I was very fortunate to put myself in a position where I actually started in, in a large market like Toronto. I was in the right place at the right time and hopefully brought some skills to the, to the job as well. Never had to leave Toronto, got a chance to jump in to cover the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Raptors not soon after that as well. Uh, and that's where the broadcasting thing comes into play. But I was a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan, Phil, until I started working in this business. I mean, I used to live and die with everything the Toronto Maple Leafs would do or did not do, mostly back in the day. And then I started interviewing guys like Phil Bork after games and before games, and I thought, you know what, these guys like Phil Bork. I used to look at Phil and think he was a bad guy. Phil's actually a good guy. And therefore, I grew to admire and respect and love the other teams as much as I did the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'll be quite frank with you guys, I mean, in the city of Toronto, sometimes the least information that comes at us 
it, it, it makes your head spin. And sometimes you get oversaturated with information about the blue and white. And because of that, you kind of just want to you want to talk hockey, but you love talking about the other teams because the Toronto Maple Leafs get dissected seven days a week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> well, you use the word passion and you use the word head spin. So that kind of leads into my next question. And we're talking to Scott Lachlan from Sirius XM, who uh, is a host of the, the Power Play show in the afternoon. And the one thing you kind of inject into your show once in a while is your love for heavy metal music. Where did that all come from? And uh, I don't know if I've ever heard you talk about your number one, primo number one band that you would pay any amount of money to go see live. Well, Phil, I've, I've seen Kiss and I've seen Motley Crue each about 30 times a piece. So I'd have to say they're probably wow. right there, wow. neck and neck, at the top of my list. So I've seen those guys. Those two bands in particular have probably garnered about $30,000 of my money for assorted concerts and merchandise <laughs> and things like that over the years. Um, but where did it start from? I guess it started for me in 1982, if you can believe it. You know, as a young kid growing up in the 1970s, I'm about to say something here that I don't think I've ever admitted to anybody. <laughs> but in the late 1970s, as some of you might remember if you're of the age uh, demographic that I'm in, disco was very, very huge. Uh, oh, that yeah. was what radio stations were playing back in the day. And I, like most people out there, grew up and, you know, was listening to disco records. All of a sudden, back in 1982, I was in grade 7, I guess it was, and a buddy of mine who was a fan of Motorhead got me interested in Kiss. And he said, you've got to buy this new album. It's called Creatures of the Night. And I said, okay, well, I'll give it a whirl. And I, I heard the song I Love It Loud with the great video that accompanied that. Uh, from that point forward, in 1982 forward, my life changed as far as music goes. And I went back and bought the entire Kiss back catalog. I bought every record that Kiss has ever made since then. Like I said, I've seen them 30 times in concert in all kinds of different cities around North America. And, you know, by becoming a fan of KISS, I started getting into the hard rock scene, uh, which was all the rage from 1983-84 onwards, and uh, the rest is history. People always say to me, don't you like anything, you know, that's not around the 1980s or 1990s? I said, quite frankly, look, my musical taste stretched from 1976 to 1996. Anything before that or after that, I could care less about. Beautiful. We know now what we need to use is your intro music the next time we bring you on the show, Scott. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing just about your background. You mentioned getting into broadcasting in 1992. For me personally, I also played hockey in college for two years, and I kind of realized I wasn't cut, but I kind of realized that I should probably cut myself because I wasn't going anywhere uh, as far as playing the game, and I wanted to get into broadcasting. Was there that kind of a realization with you as well to, to get into broadcasting? Was that the next best thing than, than playing it in that sense? You know, Josh, you're bang on. I'm, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I failed to mention that. I, I knew early on, like, I mean, I was 12 years of age, and I was a skinny little kid. And by the time I got to play midget hockey, and first of all, if you're playing midget hockey uh, at, at 16 and you're playing midget double-A, and I know some guys like Mike Johnson and Matthew Barnaby and others have gone on to play in the NHL, having played double-A hockey all the way up, and, and they somehow made it. But if you're playing midget double-A hockey when you're 16 years of age, the reality is you're never going to play in the National Hockey League. Well, I learned a long time before that, going back to when I was about 12, I, I figured I was too small to play in the National Hockey League. And I thought to myself, like you suggested there, Josh, the next best thing would be to broadcast in the NHL. And so ever since the age of 12, if you can believe it, you know, some 36 years ago, I had this goal of becoming a broadcaster and being able to talk about sports, to talk about hockey in particular. And that's what I set out to do. I mean, I'm fortunate to 
to, to be in a position that I'm in. My dad once told me when I was a young kid, amongst many great pieces of advice that he's lended to me over the years, he said, you want to wake up every morning going to do a job that you enjoy doing, that you love doing, because so many people, unfortunately, you know, wake up and dread going to work. I don't think I've ever had a day in this business where I've dreaded going to work that day. I get to talk about sports. I get to interview athletes. Uh, it doesn't get much better than this. The fact that I can do it and they actually pay me half decently for it, I think is a great thing. Let's switch gears and talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that's right under your nose day in and day out. Uh, talk about the strengths and weaknesses of this team, Scott. We're going to see them tomorrow night against the Penguins. Obviously, the offensive talent they have and their forwards is off the charts. Uh, and Freddie Anderson seems to be the goaltender they've been looking for over the last few years. Those are the strengths. Where do you see the weaknesses? Well, I think the weaknesses still come in the fact that they still give up way too many scoring attempts against. They still give up way too many shots on goal. I think as of right now, they have given up the most shots on goal this entire season. I think Anaheim's just behind them. Of course, Anaheim's had all those kinds of injuries they've been dealing with, first on the blue line and now up front, waiting for Getzlaff and Kessler and Patrick Eves to return. So I think defensively is where this weakness is with the Toronto Maple Leafs. If they intend on being a serious Stanley Cup contender, going up against the likes of the Pittsburgh Penguins, going up against the likes, I think, probably of the Columbus Blue Jackets when it's all said and done, uh, going up against the likes of the Tampa Bay Lightning who are on top of the standings right now. If they want to play with the big boys before it's all said and done, I think they're going to have to go out and upgrade on defense. Uh, can they pick themselves up a top-four defenseman at any point in time this season? They probably can. But I think the next couple of months and leading up to that trade deadline are going to tell us whether or not they, they feel like they can take a serious run at it this season or whether or not they might be one more season away from getting there. So this team's got ample skill and offensive punch up front. The challenge for the Toronto Maple Leafs has been defensively. Uh, they're doing it by committee, and I know Pittsburgh won a Stanley Cup by committee last season once Latang went down. Uh, but Pittsburgh obviously has the skill up front as well, uh, and as long as you can make that nice outlet pass like the Penguins defenseman, di- uh, defenseman did last spring, uh, then I think they could be okay. Uh, I still think that Toronto's got to go out and add a defenseman, maybe even two, uh, to play specifically in their top four before they can take on the likes of the heavyweights that I mentioned. Scott, what do you make? You mentioned the defensive aspect of their game. Obviously, offensively, the Leafs can pretty much score with anybody in the league, including the Penguins, who they'll see tomorrow night. But what do you make of the additions of the two bigger veteran names? First of all, Patrick Marlowe and Dominic Moore also, a guy who's been a pretty solid depth player for the last decade, really, in the NHL. What do you make of those two guys coming into the fold in Toronto, and how have they uh, excelled as Leafs? Well, I think they've done well. I think Patrick Marlowe has played center a little bit more often than he thought he'd signed up for to begin with. I think when Patrick Marlowe left San Jose after all those years to come to Toronto, I thought that he had the idea he was going to play on Austin Matthews' line and he was going to be plugged in on the wing and he was going to put up some monster numbers playing with Austin Matthews. Now, it hasn't quite worked out that way. He's played well, but at times due to injury, uh, they've had to put him into the center ice position. And you know Patrick Marlowe, guys. I mean, he's the type of guy that says, okay, if you want me to do it in the short term, I'll do what's best for the team. So he's kind of done that. So uh, I think Patrick Marlowe off the ice, too, has been as advertised. I know that when he was down in Carolina recently, he bought a deck of playing cards, uh, and, he, and he wanted to get the guys into playing cards. I mean, Phil, you know this. Back in the old days, guys used to play a lot of cards. Oh, yeah. Now oh, the younger players, yeah, now the younger players are so busy on their iPhones and being on Twitter and social media 
Patrick was making an attempt to buy a deck of playing cards that he felt like might bring the guys back to the way things used to be. But you know kids these days, they just want to be on their technology and stuff. So I think he's been as advertised on and off the ice for Toronto. As far as Dominic Moore goes, I mean, Dominic Moore is Dominic Moore. He's a consummate fourth-line center, defensively responsible. He's going to win face-offs for you. Uh, I think he played well enough this season to know that they could lose an Eric Fair. I think he played well enough this season. They had a kid come over from uh, Finland, Miro Altonen, uh, who's knocking on the door. He's playing with the Marlies in the American Hockey League right now. He wasn't quite ready, and they figured, you know what, we know what we've got with Dominic Moore. Even if it's just for this season, I think for Dominic to come back to Toronto, he just lives north of, of Toronto and grew up out there, uh, I think it's been a good thing for him. Another guy, too, that you guys know all too well about is Ron Hainsey. I mean, that pickup sure. with Ron Hainsey coming in, the guy's been playing top-pairing minutes uh, with the likes of Morgan Riley. He's been playing over five minutes per game in terms of penalty-killing situations. So as we know, Ron at this stage of his career is not going to be considered to be a speedster any longer. Uh, he's lost a step or two, but you know he makes up for that in smarts, uh, and especially in PK situations where he doesn't have to cover as much ice out there. He can still be particularly valuable. Scotty, we could have done a whole show with you. I really appreciate your time. Great stuff. I love talking hockey with you, and uh, you and Patrick O'Sullivan in the afternoon on SiriusXM. That's as good as it gets. Come hockey talk, and we appreciate you. Thanks, Scott. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Anytime you want me, give me a shout. Thanks, man. That's uh, Scott Lachlan from Sirius XM. What an interesting guy. And, uh, hey, listen, we got some great hockey talk here. You know, we got Madden. We got Stan. But you, Scotty Lachlan, his interviews are bang on. They get all the top guests. They had John Cooper. As I was driving over here this afternoon to Bella Luna here in Monroeville, I was listening to Scott Lachlan talking to John Cooper, head coach of the Tampa Bay Light. They get all the top guests on, uh, and they're, they're hockey talk. And Patrick O'Sullivan, his sidekick, I mean, he's worked with Phil Esposito. He's worked with Matthew Barnaby. He's now with Patrick O'Sullivan. As good as it gets, come hockey talk. I mean, I've heard uh, I've heard Scott Lachlan a couple of times on the radio when I've had a chance to listen to Sirius. He may have just sold me on a subscription. I'm kind of <laughs> sold on him now. I may yeah. have to may have to pop in on that and uh, and see what that's all about. But yeah, great to have him on. Great to get that perspective. Uh, and obviously a guy who's so well-respected in Toronto in a, a very tough media market there to make a name for himself right from the get-go is pretty impressive. No, we didn't really talk. We have enough time in the show to talk a lot about the Leafs, but he kind of gave us a good uh, sure. you know, uh, scouting report there on the Leafs that you know, we might have a 7-5 game tomorrow night because the Leafs give up so many chances. The Penguins have played a little bit of that porous defensive hockey too. Yes, they have. And when you put this much offensive talent on the ice... You never know, Josh. It could be a complete track meet tomorrow night. Leafs have won three of their last four coming into tonight. They also just wrapped up that Western Canada swing. Penguins, uh, I felt like it took them a couple games to get their legs back under them after they played that swing. Uh, The Leafs did finish that, I believe, just at the end of the month in November and won their last game against Calgary. They had a brutal November. They played 9 of 15 on the road in November. But guess what? It gets worse in December for the Leafs. They played 10 of 13 on the road. That's so, crazy. Yeah, this is a team that's in par- probably the weakest division, the Atlantic, yeah. you know, with the Boston, with the Tampa, with the Florida, with the Detroit. Uh, and For me, they're definitely a playoff team. I agree. It's just that Scott was talking about this a little bit. How deep can they go with the defensemen that they have? And with the being announcement today that the cap is going to go up next year, probably close to $80 million. This is a team. They have to sign Matthews. They have to sign Marner. They have to sign Nylander. But... 
do they make a pitch for maybe a Drew Doughty, for maybe an Eric Carlson, for that number one defenseman, which they haven't had in a really long time. You have to think they will. I mean, given the Maple Leafs history. And the cap going up. Right, and where they're at right now, as, as Scott just said, they're missing that kind of a player. That checkbook is always open when it comes about the Leafs. Also should mention, just totally off topic as far as the Leafs are concerned, New Year's Eve for them in Vegas against the Golden oh. Knights. Chalk that one up to a loss. I like Vegas on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Well, that game drops uh, 7 p.m. puck drop tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena. Hopefully you can make it out. If not, the old 2-9er Phil Bork and the Hall of Famer Mike Lang will have the call. The pregame will be on the air at 6 p.m. all on the Penguins Radio Network. We do want to thank our producer back in the studio, Joe Rokicki, uh, Alex Lehu here on site at Bella Luna. Of course, everyone here at Bella Luna for coming out and listening and the old 2-9er Phil Bork. Uh, our next show will be Friday, December 22nd from 7 to 8 p.m. You've just listened to Along the Boards on ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm Josh Getzoff. Have a good night.